The official Danko Jones podcast is brought to you with the help of Skull Candy headphones and Blue Mic microphones. Check them out at skullcandy.com and bluemic.com. Well, I know that the podcast has been a little tardy as of late, and that's only because me and Nick, Nick Flanagan, um, had a bunch of things to do. Um, When you're hearing this, uh, I will be on tour already in Europe, so that's one of the reasons why we had uh, a lot of other things to take care of first. And Nick, as you will hear on the podcast, was doing his own stuff, and uh, that's what we ended up talking about for most of the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. If you're enjoying all the podcasts... Um, please do me a favor and Nick a favor and subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. You can subscribe to it and leave a review as well. It would be great. It just helps the podcast out and it helps the profile get up and up and up on iTunes. And that's what we kind of want to do eventually. Um, So enjoy, sit back, relax, enjoy. The official Danko Jones podcast begins now. Where the fuck were you, Nick? I'm right here. No, where were you? You're I was in Texas. Austin, Texas. You just Texas. came back last night. Yes. I was I was there, and I was festivaling and eating tacos and uh, having having a blast. The time of my life, sort of. I got a phone call from Nick last night, and he had just got, literally gotten home from the airport, and he said... Hey, did you hear about what happened in Austin and Glenn Danzig and all that stuff? So what happened with Glenn Danzig? Uh, well, I arrived Saturday, so I wasn't actually there in person for it. But but as soon as I showed up, everybody was saying, dude, did you hear about Danzig? My friend was stage managing the stage that Danzig was playing. And okay. Danzig uh, showed up. He wasn't feeling very well, apparently, from the moment he arrived. Uh all of the Misfits guys and Dan- and Tommy from Danzig were there, and they, they were ready to go, and he got to the stage about the area. He got to the area ready to sound check about 15 minutes before he was supposed to go on, um, got in some, made some demands, needed some French onion soup, apparently, needed some other stuff, yelled at the stage manager, didn't go on stage until 20 minutes before the curfew of the outdoor event, Played four songs, two of which were new dancing songs. One of which was "Death Comes Ripping," though. Nice, pretty awesome. Um, and then four four songs into it, they cut the power, and he tried to uh, apparently start a riot. It's dancing. I'm sorry, but you're never ever gonna get me on the opposite side of dancing. After you, after we had our discussion, I hadn't heard or read anything about this incident, and I logged on to my email and I got an uh, email from a third party. Maybe mm-hmm. you know him. Okay. Paul Shedlick. You know Paul? Yes. Yeah, he used to be in Foursquare mm-hmm. um, and he was on our label in Europe. He is he's living in China now and he sent Whoa. me the link to the Danzig fiasco mm-hmm. in Austin and so I've seen all the footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, know what you're talking about. Um, and my conclusion is he's Glenn Danzig. He can do Whatever he's, he'd like to do, he is one of my personal heroes, and uh, you got four songs. Be happy. Two of which 
were like later Danzig songs, though. Yeah, but I, I mean, that doesn't matter to me. I, I love Danzig through and through. You know, the only time I've ever almost cried mm-hmm. about not being able to play a show mm-hmm. was the three dates we were offered to open up for Glenn Danzig, uh, I believe, two years ago. Yeah, out on the West Coast, and we couldn't because we had a conflict. We were we were already on tour somewhere, and I just I really got sad. Well, I actually remember almost cried. Actually, I, I saw Danzig a couple of times uh, over the last few years, and um, especially five or six years ago, it was still a very 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 strong show he's doing. Especially in a small venue, I saw him in Pennsylvania at a small venue, and it was amazing. And actually, I remember I got a picture with him. No way. Yeah, with me and my friend and I. My friend was very, very obsessed with Danzig for the first 10 years of her 20s. And um, (laughs) (laughs) she uh, went and took me to Pittsburgh and Allentown, Pennsylvania to see Danzig. And and she waited. And he was in his bus watching wrestling. Then he came out and he just kind of... Makes sense. Grimaced and... Did a nice. little devil horn thing and took some pics with us. That's the photo I want. I've That's never what you met want him. with Danzig. I think to have met him. the picture with me in it, I believe I was a little out of frame, though, so you can't actually <laughs> see me in the picture. Actually, I had a chance, come to think of it, to meet Danzig this past May mm-hmm. or past June, May. Mm-hmm. Um, we played in Columbus, Ohio yeah. at a festival called Rock on the Range, and... Um, there were all kinds of bands that day, but the only band I wanted to see was Glenn Danzig's band, Danzig. That band? Yeah. And I didn't get to see him, uh, but I could have met him because Tommy from Danzig, Tommy Victor. Yes, familiar was, with him. Met him. Tommy's awesome. He used to be in Prong. Mm-hmm. He is Prong. He, he worked at CBGB's. He was in CBGB Salman while he was doing formulating Prong, and then Prong kind of took off and uh, they got signed and they did a whole bunch of stuff and uh, they've put out some wicked records like Beg to Differ and um, uh, Houses of the Holy No, Houses of the Holy was by Led Zeppelin Um, No, uh, my favorite records are Beg to Differ and uh, Prove You Wrong Prove, Prove You Wrong was a very underrated record when it came out um, anyways, getting back to uh, Danzig and Rock on the Range, I met Tommy there, and Tommy actually said, hey, you want to meet Glenn? And that was the moment where I I was face-to-face with the opportunity, and I turned it down. Because? I, didn't wanna, I just didn't want to meet. I told him, I go, I can't meet Glenn. I don't I don't know if I want to. I just, um, I, I look up to him so much that... Uh, I'd love to meet him. I mean, if we just bump into each other at a at a, at a gate at, at an airport, that's one thing. But to you know be welcomed into his inner sanctum and stuff, I'd prefer to just to to listen to the records and watch the guy from afar. Well, I think that's what a lot of people seem to want with him, and he seems to support that when this kind of stuff happens and it just freaks everyone out. I mean, it's everybody at this festival was excited to have th- especially this configuration playing. This is Danzig doing Sam Hain and Misfits stuff. Yeah. This is the organizer of the festival, one of them at least, uh, Graham, I think, he wanted them to play Skulls. He was dying to have them play Skulls. And I I, I think it's, um, he posted on his blog after the yeah, whole you read incident. read all that. I read what he had posted. Now, it makes sense from his 
point of view, I would be pissed off too if I was mm-hmm. him. I'm not trying to say that he he doesn't have an argument. I'm just saying as a, as a super fan, I get it. The Danzig rule is in effect. Anything when, goes. Yeah, when Danzig got punched out by that band, and there was the footage of Danzig pushing the guy and Monster then, Truck Posse was that their name? No, no, it wasn't. Um, they're just there are some guys. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the band, but. When he got pa- punched out, everybody was laughing, and I, yeah. I, I was the only one who didn't like what I saw. <laughs> and I, I was, I said, I don't like the fact that Danzig got punched. out. I don't out. think Danzig's dentist liked what he saw that much. Either. Actually, he probably did. He was like, I'm gonna make a lot of money off of this beat out down of this evil guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I didn't, I, I, I didn't really like it. Well, I, didn't, I didn't like care watching about it. one of my heroes get punched out by some guy who, yeah, granted he was pushed first, but. If Danzig pushed me, I'd just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was bummed on that, but then one of the highlights of the weekend for me was seeing, uh, of all bands, Ted Leo and The Pharmacists. Do you know them? Oh, and on the on the website that I read and yeah. I saw the YouTube, they yeah. did... It was awesome. They uh, After his set, and he'd had vocal problems the whole set, he mm-hmm. was super raspy. You know, he goes, it's, it's, too fucking, it's too fucking hot up here because he didn't... Uh, Danzig wanted a... Oh, so the Ted Leo set happened after the Danzig fiasco. And he has a cover band, a Danzig cover band with some guys I know, this guy Andy Nelson from Paint It Black and some other bands um, who also played the festival. Mm -hmm. And those guys get on stage and they do, you know, Bullet and Angel Fuck. They do Skulls, Where Eagles Dare. And it was great. He nailed it. He nailed it so much. Um, yeah. I, listen, I've never met Ted Leo. I, yeah. I've heard. I've only heard good things about him. He seems yeah. like a really nice guy, and he's yeah. got a lot of friends. But I can destroy his Glenn Danzig. Oh yeah, on the vocals at least. Yeah, he had the look down. I gotta say, and and I, the poses. He had the poses. He good. had the poses, and he looked pretty fit. So he he had it down. Vegan. I'm he pretty did, sure he's vegan. Is he vegan? Yeah. Really? That'll that will yield you that body if you're vegan? I mean, I don't think I did he look fit? I haven't seen his body up close. Uh, yeah, we're getting, the we're getting pretty like the physique investigative right no, now. No, we've just been talking about it for 10 seconds, but obviously <laughs> yeah. you're not comfortable ten with it. 10 danko seconds. No, I'm fine with talking about Ted Leo's physique and I think he's got a good he's he's worked out. He seems like he's got a he's pretty fit. He's got a good bod. Ted, if you work out, let us know. And hey, listen, Ted. I can destroy on the Glendanzig, but uh, you're pretty fit. <laughs> you, well, I thought I like you. And then Slayer closed the night. I, it was pretty fun at the end of the weekend. I was kind of running back and forth uh, between two stages because it was three stages. Last show was three stages. One stage was Blood Redhead. Other stage was really odd, yeah. Other, other stage was Odd Future, and the other stage nice. was wow. Slayer. What yeah. a what a heavy star studded uh, the, the lineup festival was, was awesome. Like the the dancing the Danzig night was one stage. Danzig the other stage Public Enemy. I forget what the other one. I'd see all these. Yeah, bands night after Amy. that was the Damned playing their first record in order. It's, like it was awesome. They didn't cancel. No, they were great. They, they and they were giving Danzig a lot of shit. Did they? Yeah, we were supposed to go on tour of the Damned for two, a two-week tour of the U.S. And the day before the tour started, uh, they canceled because they didn't have their supposedly they didn't have their work papers ready. Kind of funny for a band who's been around for decades. They should know about work papers. How you know 
it, yeah, papers and visas and all kinds. Was of this stuff. in U.S. You said? Yeah, two weeks, two week tour with the Damned in the U.S. Uh, up in smoke. That's like when I got the guy, the rapper MC Paul Barman, wouldn't let me open for him about six or seven years ago. Was I there at that show? You were not at that show. That was a show organized by a legendary Toronto promoter, Dan Burke. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, Most people don't know Dan. Dan Burke is a promoter, local promoter. Yeah. And uh, Paul Barman... No, most people don't know Paul Barman either, I, I don't, don't think. don't know who he is either, dude. He's like the smart rapper. He, he, he was on a Prince Among Thieves, the Prince Paul album. And, uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and back. then Prince Paul produced his first EP, and that got him. He's some... from Toronto. No, he's oh. from Brooklyn. Oh. And he's actually—I don't even think he, I think he lives there, but I think he's, he went to Brown. He's like an Ivy League Jewish rapper guy, where the lyrics are clever, but the actual execution is uh, like ridiculous. It's not—he's falling all over the beat, and that and, sounds interesting, though. Yeah, it's all right. There's a there's a song called "I'm Freaking Awesome" that's cool. A song called "Cock Mobster" that's. Really funny because he's he does, you know, to the tune of Rock Lobster. He says Cock right. Mobster. And, okay, I know, I got you. Yeah, so I'm bored already. I, but it gets tiring. You're tired already. Did you yeah, say? I'm yeah, fine. it's it's too smart for its own. Anyway, he wouldn't let me open for him, and he said he couldn't Fuck do a him. smart Jewish thing after me. Really? Yeah. Fuck him. Nobody really cares what you have to say. You know, you can get pretty much anybody in the hip-hop world if you got the price. You know, in, in the punk rock world, even in the metal world and the indie rock world, it, it's not really about the price. It's more of the association. Mm -hmm. um, but in hip-hop, which is really refreshing, actually, because, you know, when you when you grow up in certain circles, it's, it's, it's great to be, you know, to keep your integrity intact, but sometimes it can be very tiring. Mm -hmm. In the hip-hop world, all you got to do is lay down the cash, and you can get anybody for anything. And I remember there was this rapper from Toronto. This is why what reminded me was Whitey Don. Do you know Whitey Don? Yeah, I'm familiar with Whitey Don. Whitey Don put out a record. Now, I've never heard the record, but I've seen it in used record stores, and one day I saw it, and I took it off the shelf, and I turned the back, and he had duets with Busta Rhymes and KRS-One. Right. And I'm just thinking, well, how did he get him? I'm sure he knows people. He's connected. Duets. I've never really heard of a rap a song with a guest. Well, then what do you call it? Duet. Guest, guest, guest box. Okay. So he traded rhymes with Buster Rhymes and KRS-One on his album. And it just got me thinking, well, you mean to tell me that if I put out a record, I can get mm -hmm. anyone I want if I had the right amount of money. Now, I don't have a lot of money. Come Especially on. not to put out a hip-hop record. But I would throw some money around if I could get even C-level rappers, like Craig Mack. If I can get Craig Mack for like Do a grand. Do you call C-level because his name starts with the C? Yeah, because then there'll be Capadonna too. If I can get Capadonna and Craig yeah. Mack for like a grand each. And I heard that Capadonna will do a rhyme for a grand. Cuckoo Cal. Cuckoo Cal's with a K, actually. Coco Brothers. 
Coco Bays. I think they'd probably do it for a grand. Actually, I know these guys are doing it for a grand because I've heard about it. You can get them. You can get anybody for a grand. For a grand. The, now, okay, so that's laying down the money for the not that I have a grand to, appearance, right? Not that you have a grand to do to, to <laughs> give to Craig Mack. Don't get me wrong, everybody. I'm not throwing around a grand to this get is Craig a, Mack. A cry on for help. No. You don't know but uh, I'm just thinking, the, the, the idea and the concept is quite funny. You can come out, you could actually press an album and go, listen, I have an album with all these rappers that I'm rapping with. It gives you, it kind of buys credibility. Well, I think that it may have at one point, but that that was such a saturated thing that occurred in over the years in hip-hop. So, you know, if you look at, say, the Cardinal Official album from a few years ago, it had Akon on it. I think it might have, it, I don't know if it had Karis one. It had a lot of big names on it as well. And I'm sure it did very well by Canadian standards, you know? Well, Cardinal <laughs> Official, um, he already has a name. So, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone in the hip-hop world like me uh-huh. who doesn't have a name, who mo- no one knows can right. rap and probably yeah. can't rap at all. But you could just make an album with everyone credibility. Yeah, yeah, like you, you could be working at the bank and go, hey, listen, I got, I got a... You know, ten thousand dollars that are just sitting here that I could use, and I'll spend it to get these rappers mm-hmm. and make this album and put it out, and then I could. No one's going to buy it, but I have this credibility. I have this under my under my belt that I put out. The closest I made thing, a record with KRS One. <laughs> metal bands a lot of the time will have their friend, like a famous guitarist, do like a solo or something on a record. Mm-hmm. That happens. That sure. happened with Brutal Lights. We got Jay Retard. Not that's like super famous, but that's he, pretty cool. He mixed the Especially record. Now. He mixed the record, our second record, and then he Jay Retard mixed your second record for sure. That. That's why it sounds the way it does. It sounds like a Jay Retard mix, and uh, that's yeah. but that's what was that a buddy thing? Pretty much. I mean, I like in the rock world, it's usually a buddy. It's a buddy thing. thing. I mean, Jay would mix. You know, as long as he didn't hate the music, I think he would have mixed anything. And that it was, it was a buddy thing mixed with the fact that at that stage for him, I think Blood Visions had just come out and he hadn't become great record. Sort of as the like he was a phenomenon, but just amongst a very small amount of people who would know him. You know, because yeah, like he was two hundred people. Yeah, just garage people. Did what you what did you say? 200 people. 200 people. Basically, like maybe Memphis, Goner Records, and you know, just people f- sort of who were aware of what was going on there. Man, he had a lot of good bands though. But I've been doing shows with him since 2003, oddly enough. And I didn't really know him very well, but I knew him. I didn't want to go to any of his shows, but I really enjoyed his records. Yeah, Lost Sounds is so awesome. I thought, I thought he was really Angry Angles, amazing. awesome. Jay Retard stuff, awesome. You know, that's. Retard's that's- awesome. I think the like a, like a lot of genres like rap I think mm-hmm. gets really really stale and and um, it needs a spark and someone like Jay Riotard will come around. John Spencer did it like maybe the mm-hmm. ten years before him and just kind of bring it up. But well, the Oblivions did it and then and then Jay took what the Oblivions sort of had done and we're st- we're still doing because those guys are actually still pretty great at, like all of the indiv- I don't know Greg is good Raining yeah. Sound is good the new yeah. Jack Oblivion record's really good oh, I yeah. heard that you That's do- cool. yeah no no I- I'll make you a mixtape but it'll be do on it. tape um, I, I need to catch up yeah but I really want I mean the, the, there's something about Jay Riotard that needs no kind of back catalog no uh, tutorial. Well, he you just the, you just get hooked into it and you go, wow, this is amazing. Like no. you you got to be deaf to not get into it. The influences are just so awesome. Like where the various 
things that he's processing and then turning into his own thing. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he mixed our record. And he did a, a guitar and did solo. Did he do it on, on the it. buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just he he apparently he asked our guitarist John like he wanted him to like tour with him at one point. I mean, yeah, John uh, Sharon, our guitarist, knew him pretty good, and then yeah, I'd, I'd done shows with them and and uh, and people. He just was around. It sucks. It's it's a crazy thing. Death. Speaking of death, Heavy D just died yesterday. Heavy death. You know, what was crazy is I went on his Twitter page after yeah. I heard about him dying, and he had left a tweet 16 hours ago. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of eerie now with the Internet and, and Twitter and Facebook and people dying, and it's still up there like they exist. Yeah. Um, there's a certain person that you probably know. We won't mention his name, mm-hmm. um, who died mm-hmm. about a year ago. in the He's a very prominent guy in the Toronto music scene. And I still get his face popping up under the people you may know in the in Facebook. That's really creepy. And you go on his page, and it's just there, and it's it's really creepy now that, you know, with Facebook and Twitter being almost just synonymous with the person being next to you. You know, Twitter is so immediate that uh, it's like they're right there. And when people die now, like when people die now, this Twitter account remains dormant and, and it just it's just this ghost. And it's, it's really these internet ghosts that are... It's, it's, it's making... Uh, it's an interesting turn. Well, it's also weird because the pressure is on you or is your circle of friends a little bit to maybe write on these Facebook pages. You know, not just let them fade away. You know what I mean? Right, I hear you. So I don't know if you'd want. I'm not. When it comes to death, I'm kind of a guy who just. I, I don't want to. You're not Mexican about it. I'm not what? Mexican about it. They celebrate what? the Day of the Dead. They oh. They have a veneration of it as far. As I I treat death more like um, like a superhero, or a right. comic book, and and when it when it becomes real to me, when it enters into my real life, uh, I kind of. Turn away from it. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's impossible. That's why to I like. I, that's why I like metal, and I like you know watching horror movies and metal. It's fun. You know, it makes it fun. Um, it gives it some levity. But when it's real like that, oh, no, I'm not gonna like you know comb through his photo albums, and <laughs> I'm not gonna do that stuff. There's another. Guy. I dwell. I dwell. Yeah, you go on their page and you just go on like, the page, look at it, what everyone's writing. Not Let, me, man. Uh, it's it's horrible. I'd rather just go back on YouTube and look at dogs dancing in like tutus to. Oh, TVs. by the way, if you're under thirty and you're listening to this right now, I got bad news for you. Yeah, there's gonna be some death if you haven't already experienced it. So there was this DJ in Toronto mm-hmm. who uh, posted his kind of farewell on Facebook and committed suicide, and that was really creepy. That was very creepy. Um, and now this kind of stuff's happening, and with the heavy D, and then you can go on his Twitter account. It's just so it's just so creepy. Man. But do you think Heavy D took his own life? No, no. I went on the Wikipedia page because I really wanted to know. Uh, I'm not like the biggest Heavy D fan, but he was someone. I think that, Heavy D was probably the biggest Heavy D fan. He was just the biggest. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but. I think the only one that remains now is Fat Joe. Fat Joe <laughs> Chub Chub skinny, apparently. Yeah, well, then he's going to stick around. Chub Rock, is he's he died a few years back. No, he's still alive. 
Oh, not Chub Rock. Big pun. Sorry. Big pun died. Chub yeah. Rock is still around. Chub Rock. <laughs> I'm getting them all confused. Is the dude from PM Don still alive? <laughs> <laughs> only, uh, only physically. Um, so <laughs> I just, I just, that was an honest mistake. I, I, I just want to interrupt because I, I think I know where you're going. We're saying most of the heavier rappers have passed on, but the truth is, <laughs> oh, you know, there's a lot of heavy rappers out there, and there, some of them are still alive, and some of them are skinny. Diamond D, who's really an good. incredible DJ, heavy, he, heavy Diamond, me. Diamond D was was never heavy, dude. No. Diamond D, I I saw him like like what? five or six years ago. He was obese, deeply really? obese. Yeah. Okay. When he came out, he, he wasn't was, that big. He was not big at all. And now he's super big. Uh, MOP, pretty big guys at this point. Um, Who? Mashout Posse, MOP. Oh, MOP. How about I some thought, hardcore cold design? Sorry, dyslexia was hit, hit me. I, I thought you said OMP. OMD, OMC. Orchestral say, maneuvers of the dark say, oh, got really fat. Did you say MOP? MOP, yes. The guys under Premiere, right? Yes. They were produced by Premiere. Yeah. They're great. They're big now? Yeah, they're so heavy. Wow. Yeah. And uh, uh, it just keeps going. I mean, like, isn't there a bit of an urge when you get success to just eat a um, lot of food? I don't... For me, it would be the opposite. For me, I would just the way my mind thinks and just the way I am. I would, I would go. Well, now I can't let it go. I have to be even more diligent, and yeah. and and work out even more, and right. and, and maintain this. I level sort of, of feel success. that as well. I wouldn't, you know, the the maybe the more attention is on you. But that's because you know I have a glasses half empty approach to everything, mm-hmm. and when you you maybe get a little lax. And gain a little weight. It's because you think you've made it, and now anything you do, anything you touch, will turn to gold. That's probably where that kind of mindset is. Yeah, and that's what hip hop is it's often all about. based on: is this bravado, massive machismo, and bravado. And that, I mean, we can. I don't really want to delve into the reasons mm-hmm. and the, the mechanics of of that, and 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 analyze that. We all kind of can figure it out. Um, Sitting on our armchairs. Jamaica. Colonialism. Just yeah. take it from there, folks. An interesting thought about the whole Heavy D thing that just happened right now. Mm. I don't know when this podcast is going to be uh, uploaded, but as we're doing this podcast, Heavy D isn't even dead for 24 hours. So that mm. we're just kind of talking about it. And another guy who died was Joe Frazier. There was a great HBO documentary a few years back that really brought Joe Frazier some justice from the whole Muhammad Ali thing and and uh, I thought it was really well done and Joe Frazier is like he was a it was a sad he was a sad figure but I think history will will shine more light on him and and it'll be cool but you know he lived I mean Heavy D was 44 years old I know old. I was That's so sad really when I heard young. his age I was like ugh but it's just not not cool. And didn't wasn't he one of the rappers who were like stay off drugs and be clean? And yeah, clean? he was like a hanging with Mr. Cooper kind of like rapper. You know, he was definitely on the like could go on Arsenio, could go on in Living Color, could go. He was very TV. He was a really TV friendly after school special. And there weren't a lot of guys. But he was still cool, though. That was the thing. He was was still still down with every rapper. He was probably from Brooklyn. Which was really an interesting thing because back in the, I'd say, late 80s, early 90s, there was a real surge in hip-hop to to make fun of um, 
pop rap, yeah. like EPMD's crossover, uh-huh. and, and Karis One was really adamant about it. He was really against PM Don, actually. Yeah, he threw them off of the stage. Once. Did he? Yeah, they won an award, like a Source Award, or they won an award, Best Rappers, and he bum rushed the stage. And threw them off the stage physically. So is that what Kanye was doing to Taylor Swift? Was sort he trying of, to yeah. do a KRS-One thing yeah. and no one caught on to that? No one caught on. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, I think Heavy D was from um, Mount Vernon, possibly. I might be wrong. He, I think, I feel like he's from the same area as Pete Rock and those guys. Because I think he did have a lot of some Pete Rock production and some other stuff. And, but, he, but then again, you know, he did songs with... Big Daddy, you know, Don't Curse is such a great song in a fun way, you know, and it's it's Heavy D with Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane. These are some heavy dudes. Huge names. Cool I feel Akinyeli was even on that song. He put Akinyeli on, you know, who is not a well-known guy at okay, that time. Okay, so, so he, that's, where, that's where Heavy D was given his pass because he, yeah. he had aligned himself yeah. with some pretty heavy, really well-respected uh, rappers and producers uh, having having respected producers as a, as an MC is almost so that's a where bigger deal because I always yeah. thought look well, wow Heavy D always gets a free pass like yeah. PM Don doesn't uh-huh. and all these like Arrested Development pretty much don't Arrested De- that's another yeah. one they don't really get this pass they get this kind of um, especially because they they had a hit yeah. in main a mainstream hit uh, a lot of rappers don't like them mm-hmm. um, but Heavy D was able to to bypass all that and mm-hmm. I guess it's because he he was he had f- befriended a, a lot of the cooler you know rappers out there yeah I mean it's kind of funny right he was a pop rapper at a time when there weren't very many you could count them on you know True. two hands yeah and uh, as soon as more rap became pop he became maybe less relevant. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, you know. He was something that was so. Yeah, you could say the same about Will Smith. You know, like there was a period of time where he was, whenever he put out a new single, after he'd gone pop and become an actor who was putting out rap songs, everybody was like, "Whoa, what's the new Will Smith song? Wild Wild West? What is it? Is it gonna be? Uh, what was that one? Uh, getting jiggy with it? You know?" Yeah. But. As the years have gone on, nobody, if he put out a new single right now, I, I don't think anyone would care as much. No, you know? no. I mean, there's, and also because there's just so many other rhymers out there. You know, music moves on, and there's just so many more people who are trying to do it. He, he, even though he's a big movie star, by this point, the genre's been saturated. He'll get lost. Shit, can I bring it back to that festival for one second? Yeah, yeah. Because... So Ryan Gosling was all over this fun, fun, fun festival this weekend. He was walking through the crowd, always followed by camera isn't he, and boom mic. Isn't he, he being, in a band? He is in a band called Dead Man's Bones. But um, he was walking through this huge space at Auditorium Shores in Austin being filmed in character for this show. For, um, for, I'm fucking rolling my eyes right now. But do you know why that is? Why? The director, Terrence Malick, is making a movie, and I don't know what the deal is, but it's got these scenes at rock festivals, and he's actually going to, he went to Austin City Limits and apparently did the same, and he's, and I think he's just doing test shots right now, because if you know anything about Terrence Malick, it takes 
years for him to make a movie. He did that Tree of Life movie most recently, and then before that, he did Thin Red Line and Badlands, and he's quite a respected director who lives in Austin, which I never knew. And, uh, yeah, so he's going around the festival. There's, like, Hollywood all over this festival. Ryan Gosling is wandering around looking in character. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that before. Weird. Yeah, interacting with... Real people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really. It, I get a real kind of knee jerk reaction where I think, well, go away. Like you, <laughs> you're you're um, you're infringing on our 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 thing we got going on here, and, and uh, yeah, don't bring your Hollywood into this. You know this thing. I think Hollywood always get it wrong when they try to interpret, you know, musical genres and bands and. Types of music people and stuff. It's fun. I have a thing for Ryan Gosling. Like a good, a hot thing. You like him? No, no. It's funny. There's on 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 the on the old Facebook there. There's one of uh, my Facebook friends. She posted up something about how much she loves Ryan Gosling, and then two of her other friends who were also women. They go, "Me too." And then the third one went, "Me three. And then after that, I I wrote on her thread. You know, I just ran into Ryan Gosling, and uh, we both agreed that he is annoying. I just wrote, <laughs> I just wrote, I wrote something and I just put him down. I've never met the guy. He seems like an, a re- well, he's a really great actor, but he always acts opposite all the all the uh, Hollywood women that I find very attractive. So maybe it's just a little bit of jealousy there. You like uh... Carrie Mulligan, Rachel McAdams, Michelle Williams. Yeah, Michelle Williams is amazing. She's so... I didn't even know she was a great actress until years after she got famous. I watched this thing. I was like, wow, she's awesome. She's like a very talented actress. And yeah, she's hot too. But she's had a kid. (laughs) That kind (laughs) of... What does that mean? Well, you know... Sofia Vergara has like an 18-year-old son. Okay, so Nick, what? Let's get let's go back to Austin, which is where we started. We we took a, a detour with the whole Glenn Danzig thing because when you bring up Glenn Danzig with me, I'm gonna want to talk about him for a while. Opens up oh, Pandora's box. Yeah. So what was the reason for you being at this fun, fun, fun fest in Austin, Texas? Well, I uh, was doing a little bit of comedy. Comedy. Yes, on the yellow stage, okay. I was one of the comedic performers. Um, and that list of people included Neil Brennan, who co-created Chappelle's show. Neil and, Brennan, uh, I'm a fan. Yeah, Louis Louis Katz, who's a very funny guy. Uh, Reggie Watts was there. Okay. Donald Glover did some comedy. Don't know. Donald Glover's on Community. He also has a rap thing called Childish Gambino. He's very popular. Um, son of uh, Dan? Danny? Son of Danny. Is he? Father of Savion. Okay. Yeah. He's no, he's uh, he's not the son of Danny. Okay. He just does the last name Glover. All right. And who else? He's was a Glover, not a fighter. Who was on the lineup as well? Um just there were a lot of locals and oh my god, I got I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about getting wronged all the time, but before I went on, the promoter of the show said, "Okay, Nick, just make sure you go right up after the act 
before you because the, the crowd will stay that way. Oh, Henry Rollins was also in the bill. That, that, on your stage? On that stage, yeah. Was he headlining? Yeah, he was okay. headlining the night I performed. And uh, he said, Nick, just make sure you go right up because the crowd that, that way the crowd will stay. That's Henry Rollins talking to you? Henry Rollins was like, Nick, I just want to say to you, <laughs> make sure you go right on stage. That was what I learned from Black Fat Flag. <laughs> as soon as the Minutemen ended... I got on, got stage on stage and started screaming at the fans <laughs> until Greg Ginn had set up and the line check was over. And then we would launch into Slip It In. And I would do the male vocals and I would also do a higher voice and I would do the female vocals of Slip It In live. Wow, you're getting really detailed. Did he really say that to no, you? No, he didn't. Okay. I, I talked to him once. He told me that tour was a struggle. That was the one time I've ever spoken to Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... I so I don't even speak directly at you. He just has these quotes, (laughs) (laughs) like people hand out their calling cards. Hey man, how's it going? Here's a piece of paper. Tour is struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good day. I so I was trying to enforce that as much as possible. This this complimentary rap battle was happening before me, where MCs were complimenting each other. Crowd was eating That's it up. That's great. Yeah. Really? It was funny. <laughs> the host of that, though, That's a great was idea. also performing after me. He okay. was doing one thing at 20... I was performing 20 minutes. He was going to go on after me. And okay. uh, he decided to say at the end of the battle, he says, Okay, guys, thanks. Come back in 20 minutes. Make sure you come back in 20 minutes. Thanks a lot, minutes. Everybody. Yeah, in other words, he was like saying, Take off. Come back when I'm back on. Everybody clears it's the out. the same guy who told you to go on right away? No, this is the performer. Like, oh. promoter said go on right away. Great idea. Then the performer, he uh, throws me under, under the, the bus. bus. And then I go up there. Everyone is clearing out. There's nothing worse than perform- trying to get people back as they're clearing out. It's not going to work. I wish I was there for that. Yeah. And then, so this is my first thing I say is, come on, don't you have any love for Canada? Because somebody introduced me as being from Toronto. This is in Texas. And this guy, a, a, a sleeveless guy um, and his sleeveless friend were leave, passing the stage. And he's like, I got no love for Canada. And I'm not – I always go a little too harsh when I respond to people who uh, are rude to me. So mm-hmm. I go, oh, sir, when you dodge the draft, you're going to need Canada. And oh. he just turns around and goes, I'm not dodging no draft. What are you talking about? And I'm just like, okay, uh, uh, thanks. <laughs> like, I, I can't. I, that was so. Then, you know, the set people eventually started watching it, but it was. Did Henry see it? Henry did not see it, but Neil he did. Brennan a, see it. Neil Brennan did not see it, but I've opened for Neil Brennan before, so he's he, knows, he has oh, seen you. me do comedy. Okay, and we've we've talked on the phone. And and uh, <laughs> and how is all of that at the end of your set? Did you feel like you had a good one? Uh, I was like a six out of ten. I was I was not. I, was, I I mean I was really happy to do it, but I feel like I just didn't. It, I like I I did my best, but it didn't click as hard as I wanted it to. Well, how about I've got to come back to Austin and do it again. If the promoters of Fun 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 Fest are listening in, I would, I would, I would give Nick Flanagan. A second chance for next year's 2012 Fun 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 <laughs> Fest, and and put him instead of Glenn Danzig on that stage. And yeah, put me on the Glenn Danzig stage. Put him. On, yeah, it's now become the Glenn Danzig <laughs> stage. I I would love to do comedy on uh, the 
yeah, with the punk metal crust stage. Actually, that would be that maybe would have gone better if I just hosted or done something on that stage. But uh, yeah, your 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 audience is more the crust. I had some of the, there were punks. I was being watched MRR crowd by punks for sure, and uh, yeah, it was okay. It's it, it was in the day, um, but I I really appreciated getting the chance to do it, and yeah, I would do it again like a, in a second, and I I loved it. I mean, I had a great time at the festival, and a really good time doing comedy. It's just that. I always want it to be better. I've realized that. Because it generally always can be better. Comedy. Okay. Brian Posehn opened for Slayer. That must have been exciting for him. Did you watch that? Uh, I saw the end of it. And I was looking at his butt the whole time. Because I was like behind the stage watching it. It's interesting. Now with comedy, uh, Brian Posehn signed to Relapse. And, yeah. and Don Jameson and Jim Florentine are signed with, to Metal Blade. And that metal show is doing really well. It's interesting how comedy and metal are fusing together uh, in, this, in, this, in later chapters of, of the me- heavy metal saga. Well, I mean, the best metal bands are actually have a have a sense of humor. I mean the best things have a sense of uh, mm-hmm. have a sense of humor. And metal is I think viewed sometimes to be seriously and most of the time it's not as serious as the image presented would make you think. You know, sometimes it it might be, you know, priest is pretty serious, I guess. But I just think that I I yeah, I agree with you yeah. that that a lot of people who play it who are within the genre mm-hmm. um have a sense of humor. I just don't like it when people outside the genre think of it as funny. That's a different thing. That's I'm a not different talking thing. about that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But the people within the genre are definitely just a bunch of jokesters. I'm talking about Anthrax's Aesthetic. I'm talking about you know their '80s aesthetic. Of- but on the other hand, I have a lot of I have a I, when it comes to Anthrax and their and their jokey image, mm-hmm. um, it kind of backfired on them. Yeah, I think so too. In the end, it, it worked for a while, and then they kept at it, and then eventually it backfired. And now they're kind of they've dropped all that, and uh, they're just a really really good heavy metal band again. Not that they ever were not, um, but. You know, just behind closed doors, it's it's really fun to laugh at metal. Mm-hmm. But it's more like you know we can laugh at ourselves and eat, and eat, at each other. But and when I say we, I mean just rockers and metalheads. But anyone outside of that who laughs at the heavy metal or the hard rock genre, I have a real fucking problem with because it's like, well, you think it's funny? You try to play that. That's right. always what I say. And and I can't play heavy metal. That's why I love listening to it. Um, and it's always by people who play three chord songs on acoustic guitars who who've, who think it's funny. And I, I just get this really, really bad reaction to that. Me too. Sorry. Getting back to the fun jokes of Brian Posehn <laughs> and Slayer. He did well. He did, he did well, well. Which is pretty amazing because there were probably about 16,000 people in the audience. Could have gone really bad. A Slayer crowd is really cutthroat. I know they are, but... And, you know, Texas is a very, uh, like, Austin especially is a Austin. very appreciative of music. Austin. Yeah, Austin specifically is a very appreciative of music crowd. I don't think people in the crowd were stri- specific, strictly from Austin anyway. I think there mm-hmm. were probably a lot of people who came to just go to the festival right? And, from the surrounding area or even far away. Austin's but, a really, really cool town. It's the greatest. But, but um, I, I and I just think Brian Posehn is just so affiliated with metal you know he's kind of branded himself in a sense you know in a, in a pretty organic way in that he just is he likes metal and so any chance he can get to work with people from metal he's he's leapt at 
you know, I, he was great. writing on Metalocalypse last season of that. Well, I, I think heard. it's great that he that yeah. he's done that, especially because it's awesome. Anytime you're so doing popular. What, what you like, it's I, I, or you're able to incorporate what you enjoy into what you do. If that and, makes any sense. And, you know? and Don Jameson and Jim Florentine are also like you know doing really well for metal and comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and with Don Jameson. You know, we, we uh, opening up for metal bands and and uh, Florentine and, and and Jameson doing the that metal show with Eddie Trunk on VH1. I think it's a it's it's awesome. It's it's wicked because they know their stuff. They know the music as well. So it's not just these guys who are trying to like get a free ride. Right. It's not morning DJs being like. Same with yeah, exactly. It's it's Posehn and Florentine and Jameson. These guys really are true fans of, of the music. And, and I think Brian Posehn also kept it a little short, which yeah, is you really important go. if you're That's doing actually, a set yeah. like that. You should really be doing especially 15, with the 20 crowd. minutes to a show like that. With yeah. the Slayer crowd especially. They it, understand four words. It takes it takes 10 people to just go Slayer to start the chant. <laughs> so you you got to keep, keep it short, keep it moving, and get the fuck out of there. That's it. what I hear is that the Slayer chant is a real thing and it can uh, destroy band sets. It's really easy to do. Them. It's just two syllables. Yeah, Slayer, Slayer. Slayer, Slayer. Slayer ruled, though. They killed God Hates Us All, killed it with War Ensemble, killed it with a bunch of other stuff. Cool. Yeah. I don't think they played piece by piece, which made me sad, but I might be wrong. Do they play that every show? No, I don't think they play it every show. They did play it when I saw them some years ago and it made me very happy. I think that's my favorite Slayer song. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we should stop this. This is done. I forgot to mention about the time I saw Danzig. No, do you want to mention about the time you saw Danzig? We've kind of reached the end of the podcast. What's the big deal now? I don't know. Is it kind a great story? Does it end with fire? It ends with a fight. I mean, Danzig so? is really one to provoke. Yes. Um, like he did in the Fun Fun Fest in Austin, which is really the wrong titled festival for someone like Danzig to play. <laughs> well, Tom Araya, when Slayer played, said, So, are we having fun, fun, fun? <laughs> did he really? <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I Again, sl- that's like fun. He's fun, you know? Hey, well, uh, I mean, Slayer is fun, and, yeah. and Danzig is fun. But when I saw Danzig, I saw him on the Lucifuge tour right. uh, back wow. in the days. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the, my favorite shows I've ever seen. And uh, the drummer Chuck Biscuits was up, 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 up. His drum riser was, like, super high. Like, like you, need a, you need a ladder and a half to get up to Chuck. And mm-hmm. at least that's how I remember it in my mind's eye. I was a lot younger then, so yeah. maybe five feet was, in my mind's eye, it seemed like ten feet. But right. anyways, Danzig came out, and they ripped through the first four songs off Lucifuge right away in, in order. And I can't remember, midway through or near the end, he started a fight with a guy. <laughs> he just started going, hey, come here, come here. And then he just lunged at him, dropped off the stage with his boot on this guy's head. And um, that was... The, that was you know, as a youngster, seeing that violence in front of me from a guy that I didn't, like, I looked up to, I couldn't believe that that was actually happening. Usually you see it in the crowd and you just kind of turn turn your face. But from the actual performer fighting some guy in the crowd who had obviously paid to be there, who was a <laughs> fan, and he was beating the shit out of this fan, 
I, I was shocked by it. Well, I mean, you can trace that stuff back to that footage from it's Misfits. On, There's Misfits yeah, footage the of him fighting evil, people. Evil and, live And audio. it's always in a weird way. It's always in a way where it's he's, really like, weird. trying to be a superhero. I don't want to, like, you know, it's like, what? Like, he's <laughs> leaping. He's always leaping or kicking. You know, yeah. there's, like, it's always someone's head here. His foot. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it was one of probably probably that was has to do with the fact that when I got the opportunity to meet him a few months back, I shied away from it. You thought you'd kick your ass. Uh, yeah. He or, threatened to kick my friend's ass, who was stage managing. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to be Apparently. in his way, and I'd much rather just stay stay away and and remain a fan. Not that if he threatened me, I wouldn't wouldn't listen to the Misfits or Danzig or Sam Hain anymore. Um, but it wouldn't make me want to listen to them more yeah. than I do already. So I don't know if that had any kind of effect on the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, fuck. See you next time. 